You do the intro. Sure. No, you're doing the intro. So, like, so right. every single podcast has a different introduction. Nah, Mickey, Mickey usually does it, but I, I can't do it. My name's Jazz, and 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 this is four <laughs> guys around the table at AAC. <laughs> Todd, give us an intro. It's called the AAC podcast. Yeah, it's called the AAC podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the AAC podcast. We've got four guys in a room here. Josh Tolls, Nick Ward, Jazz, and myself, Todd Van Seensel. Hi, I'm Jazz. Um, I'm here today with Josh, Nick, and Todd. Can you guys just give us a quick intro of yourself? I'm Todd Van Seensel. I'm from Sydney, Australia. I play with the Adelaide Giants, and I've been a professional baseball player on and off since 2009. My name is Nick Ward. I am from uh, Pennsylvania, the United States of America. Um, I play with Adelaide Giants as well, and I have been a professional athlete not quite as long as Todd, but uh, since 2018. I am Josh Tolls. I'm from Adelaide. I grew up just down the road in Seton playing for the Woodville Baseball Club. Um, This is my first year back with the Giants. And I've been playing professional baseball since 2014. Awesome. So you guys have a lot of years of professional baseball combined, playing in college, minor leagues, and foreign leagues. I just wanted to start with, between those three leagues, how do they compare to each other? Or how would you describe them together? I feel like the ABL is the most contrasting because depending on who you're playing against, who the starting pitcher is, who's in and out of the lineup, you could be facing a double-A, triple-A caliber starting pitcher or you could be facing a guy that pitches in club ball. Yeah. So it's very contrasting on who you're going to get each day. Like one day we might have a ton of data and scouting reports on an opposing pitcher or the opposing lineup and then some days we'll have no data because it's a guy pulled off from club ball for the day. So yeah. it's it's... It's fun, it's different, it's interesting, and what makes the league so special, I think. I think the biggest difference for me between specifically college baseball, affiliated baseball, or independent baseball, and the ABL specifically is like the emphasis on winning. So in college baseball, independent baseball, and the ABL, the emphasis is obviously always to win the game. You want to win the championship. You want to win every single every single day you go out and play. But in the lower level minor league specifically, in affiliated baseball, you still obviously want to win each day that you play, but that's not the main emphasis. So yeah. lower level minor leagues, rookie ball, low A, high A, whatever it might be, the emphasis for each individual player is for them to develop their skills to get to those higher levels and then uh, the big leagues after that. So once you're in double A AA and triple A, obviously you want to create winning cultures around each team because those are the, the nucleus. That group is going to potentially be in the big leagues together for a few years. So yeah. And that's, that's, when, that's when winning actually really starts in affiliated baseball. Yeah. Would, Josh, would you agree with that? Yeah. Just from the Australian standpoint, like growing up, having played club ball and then going to college, like you go from playing one game a week, training twice a week, to colleges every day, play four or five games a week. And then the higher you get, the more games you play and the more days you spend on the field. So like from college playing 30, 40 games to 
independent ball was a hundred game season, minor league hundred and forty game, and ultimately the big leagues the main goal that's a hundred and sixty two game season. So we go from really not experiencing that much baseball here in Adelaide to kind of being around it every day and I think that really helped with my development and it's something we lack here in Adelaide. Yeah. It's the ability to play more. On that, other than playing more baseball, which is obviously the obvious answer for getting better for South Australian baseballers. What do you guys do differently in terms of what local club ball kids who are developing, like what are you guys doing differently now or differently when you were developing? Um, I was lucky enough to be involved with the South Australian Sports Institute and that was really when kind of I went from being like an average baseball player to kind of taking that next step um, both physically and just baseball wise like we were in the gym three four days a week we were playing on weekends as well so it was just more baseball more time in the gym um, more time around other people that wanted to get better so that environment of just like dudes that want to get better at baseball really helped me develop sweet and Nick going back to your answer before about the differences do you find you have to go in with a different mindset if you're a part of an organization where maybe the emphasis isn't on winning, it's more on developing. What differs for you in terms of how you approach those two different leagues? Um, for myself, my I can never, I've never been able to play at a high level if I'm only worried about myself. Yeah. Um, because like baseball specifically is a very, it, it's the most individualized team sport that there is because like eight guys can be successful on the field. One guy can fail and that team loses. Yeah. Right. So, or conversely, all nine players can be successful, but the other nine players on the other side were just better than you and you still fail. Right. So I can't, I've never been able to focus on just myself playing well. I have to think of myself as just one ninth of the equation. Yeah. Right. So to your question, even if the emphasis is still on individual development per se, right? I still, I think there's a time to focus on that, but when it's game time, when the lights come on and there's another pitcher wearing a different uniform on the other side of the field opposing you, you're just trying to beat that guy and you're trying to win. Yeah. And I've never been able to just say, oh, I'm working on this today or this today. That's, that's practice time. Yeah. So going harder at practice and, having purposeful practice that that that's the time to develop but when it's game time it's time to win yeah that takes me back to some conversations with you josh saying you can't go out there and think about all the individual things that you need to work on you have to focus on playing the game and part of playing the game is obviously aiming to win yeah baseball is a repetitive mundane like technical like there's stuff now we're doing in the bullpen where we're getting feel for our delivery at 33 years old that i'm like oh <laughs> I should have been doing this 10 years ago. Wait, so like, Wait, you're 33? <laughs> <laughs> so just like, it's something that you have to spend a lot of time on and like, there's a time like, but in the game when you're on the mound, you don't want to be thinking about like, is where my hip, hips are, where like my arm angle is, did I land, did I block out? Like, you just got to compete and... And that's a big battle that we've had with some of the athletes we've yeah, with together. But Stop thinking it's not good for you. Exactly, yeah. Just get out there and compete. That's, and just, worry that's, about not, that's not just singular to baseball either. Yeah. You've, yeah. you've worked so hard for so long. Just let, let 
let the thinking happen on the practice field or the batting cage or wherever it might be. And then, yeah, I like to say to everyone, trust your preparation, go out there and compete. Um, Comparing these leagues again, um, I'll bring this one to you, Todd, because you played in multiple different countries. How does baseball compare differently in terms of culture? In 2021, I was in Mexico. It might have been like the most fun environment I've ever played in. Because like Latin guys play with so much flair and excitement and like it's a lot of look at me, look at me, look what I can do kind of thing. But that yeah. they do that for the team. Like it gets the team excited. So like a guy would hit a single in the second inning and he'd be like yelling at the dugout and we're just yelling back. And the crowd feed off that energy and just creates like a really fun environment. So like Mexico, I remember we had COVID restrictions in Mexico and because Tijuana was so close to the border to the US, they had COVID restrictions for a while. And we got to play there the first week they were lifted. And we had three straight days of 25,000 people in the stands. They had dance crews, cheerleading crews, people dressing up in costumes in the stands. That was a twerking contest. <laughs> and like, it's just the most fun environment you can ever have. So, I mean, I love playing. Like, I would go back to Mexico in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we could replicate that in Australia somehow. We seem to get 25,000 people to a game. Imagine, I'm sure we imagine get 25,000 people at West Beach. 25,000 people in the banter bar. <laughs> yeah. I think specifically to the ABL, the best teams that I've been able to play on are the ones that like have the best chemistry. Like yeah. You can have good players, but if there's no buy-in and there's no like 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 fun in the clubhouse and everyone just kind of wants to be around each other, then you're probably not going to win the championship. And this year, I think we've, we've got that in the clubhouse. Like We've got dudes that just want to be around each other and have mm-hmm. fun and it's pretty light and like it's a good time to be around i know like when you come out like i'm I'm sure you feel that too and you're part of it oh definitely i feel like i've got a bunch of new best mates to hang out with exactly i mean when i was in in college in the united states was uh we were lucky enough to win a national championship and like that team just had something special about it like um not everybody was everybody's best friend but when we were at the ballpark, every single person had each other's back and we fought for each other. Yeah. This team here is is a little bit different than that because every single person in that locker room, when we leave, it's like, oh, let, let's go get something to eat. Let's go hang out at the beach later. Let's go play spike ball. Let's, let's go do everything. Like everyone wants to hang out with each other outside of baseball. Yeah, it's a really good sign of just – yeah chemistry it's like really cool you want to spend more time with each other and like, it's like say if someone's struggling then every everyone's got their back when they do something really well if someone is doing something really well regardless of if, if it's been a trend or if it hasn't been everyone is up rooting for them if someone is struggling every, like it's not just one person who's picking somebody up and saying hey it's all right you're gonna get them it's everybody yeah everybody's got everybody's back and it's this like this group of guys is it's special so that for you guys, that probably means this year could probably, with how good everyone gets along the team chemistry, hopefully means a really successful final series. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's been the goal yeah. since yeah. day one, really. And it's really hard to replicate the kind of feel we have in the clubhouse. Like we could have a good team next year, but to replicate the kind of feel we have with each other, like we're, we're like as lame as it sounds, we feel like a family. Yeah, mm-hmm. like brothers, even you know Maka. Yeah, uh, our new clubby. She's <laughs> yeah. like one of the boys, like she's part of the family, and it will be hard to replicate what we have right now next year. So, like, 
sometimes we feel like this is it. Like we got to knuckle down the next two weeks and get these four more wins because you never know when you're going to mm-hmm. kind of build this kind of team chemistry again. In the same breath, it's also like we haven't put any pressure on ourselves like, yeah. the entire year. Even this past this past weekend, we had our own destiny in our hands. Where if we won all four games, we were going to be in first place. Regardless of what Perth did or Melbourne did or anybody else. If we won, we got first place. Yeah. We, at, literally every single person from like leadership on down was just like, let's just go do it. Let's just go do it. And as Todd said, like, yeah, it's, t- it's time to it's time to anchor down and like let's let's get this done. Yeah, but in the same breath, even if that doesn't happen, like all of us have like thirty brothers forever. Yeah, and it's like yes, it, it's going to be hard to replicate. It's always hard to replicate a team that has really good team chemistry. But even if those teams don't win, you still remember the guys that are around yeah. you because like it's the people that are around you that make or break your experience. Not necessarily whether you get some hardware at the end of the season or not. Yeah, it can always be a good experience for your development and your career as you go along. Without a doubt. I know, Josh, you tell me all the time about old buddies that you have that you still message all the time for that you met for however many years ago along your whole career that you still talk to most days as well. Yeah, those teams, I mean, you, you create friendships that last forever. Like, I'm going to remember some of the shit that's been going on in our locker room for the rest of my life, unfortunately. Some good, some bad, but like, it's all. <laughs> There's just dudes that are just going to stick in your head and that comes with like that mateship and the friendship of playing the game. And that's like Nick said, that's what you play for at the end. Like, I think that's why for me, I stay around so long in this game is just to create those memories again. Um, winning is sick, but yeah, like I, at the end of the day, no one cares about your stats or anything. They're just going to care about what type of person you yeah, are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's good fun. I think, and it's been I, real fun I think that goes hand in hand with our previous conversation too, where it was the, the contrast between uh, different levels and different leagues. It's like, as soon as people realize, at least in my eyes, that once they realize that you're doing it for the other guys on your team and not just yourself and why I've never been able to have success playing, just worrying about my personal development is because it is so much more enjoyable when it's all said and done that you did it with a group of people yeah. and you enjoyed it with a group of people, not just with yourself Yeah, and you're doing it for other people and not just to achieve your own personal goal. Yeah. Whatever that might be to hit 300. No one's going to care that you hit 300 this year. Someone's going to care that you got that one hit when it mattered for everybody else. Yeah. So that's why it's time. When it's time to work, it's time to work. When it's time to play the game, it's time to go compete. When it's time to have fun with your with your teammates, it's time to have fun with your teammates. Yeah, I feel like in my short time in baseball, what I've noticed about relationships you have with teammates is you almost just have 30 bromances going with everyone <laughs> on the team. It's a good way. It's a lot of love and it's a lot of joking around and a little bit of sus behavior, but that's, that's why okay. everyone enjoys having time together. That's okay too. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest things that young baseballers can take is you don't go out there and hit for yourself or play for yourself. You go out there and play for the team, no matter what team you're on, what level mm-hmm. you're playing at. And that's probably one of the most important parts of your development. Yeah, That's much easier said than done too. True. But that's very, it's a very important piece in like the maturation process of any athlete in any sport. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Todd and Josh, 
just going into some of the pitching stuff, what are we'll try and break it down to two. What are the two of the most important aspects you found for developing yourself as a pitcher? Well, for me, when I was younger, the biggest emphasis was throwing strikes. Throwing strikes? Yeah, as lame as that sounds and as, like, as simple as it is. like It's very important. Growing mm-hmm. up, all I was taught my entire life was throw strikes. I somehow forgot that as I got older <laughs> because they didn't want you to throw hard. So I figured the throwing hard part out, but I forgot the throwing strikes now. But as, as a young youngster, like throwing strikes and having a feel for pitching is the most important thing. Like you wouldn't believe me now, but I could throw four pitches for strikes <laughs> when I was 18. And that's all because of what I did when I was younger. And if I, the strikes didn't come along with the velo, which is disappointing. I didn't have one without the other. Yeah. But yeah, as lame as that sounds, throwing strikes was super important. I see like kids at nationals now. I saw a game where like one team walked 16 hitters. 16. I think so. And I was just like, there's no way that would fly back, back in my day. There's no way back that would fly. Day? There's no way that would fly. Back in the olden days. We are those back in my day guys now because yeah. growing up, it's changed so much. Like we had less to worry about. Like we didn't have rap soda reports. We didn't have video. We didn't have anything. We just like went out there and had a guy telling us to throw strikes. And it was that simple. <laughs> like we either did it or we didn't. There was no like, oh, what was my vertical break on that? Like I love all that now. I love that they have it and it's a huge tool. But like we didn't have that. And so it was just, yeah, throw strikes, like be athletic. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like you said, times have changed. Like, I signed just before my 17th birthday with the Phillies, and the hardest pitch I had thrown was I threw one pitch at 87 miles an hour. Yeah. Nowadays, you'd be spat on the yeah. yeah. But the thing I did back then was throw strikes. It's just crazy how things have changed so much since then. So, telling a kid to throw strikes these days probably won't get him as far. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, everyone's velo now. But it's what helped me. So, yeah, towards I, the end of my career, it's just been availability. Yeah. Um, there's a saying like, you can't make the team on the table. So if you're always yeah. hurt, you're not going to be on the field. And I've struggled with that towards the end of my career. Um, so just doing what I can to stay healthy, I think it's, it's super important. And you can do that now, like with everything you do with your, your sleeping, your eating, <clears throat> your workouts, how you spend your spare time. Um, all that stuff now will help you down the track be and healthier and stay in the game longer. Definitely. Just going off what he just said, like when I when I was younger, I could pitch on the weekend, have a bad outing, and then on Tuesday I'd practice, like get on the mound in the bullpen and work on what didn't go so well. Yeah. But nowadays it's like I just need to make sure my body's prepared to go for the next week. Like I. You need to take long, longer. Time it takes to, me longer yeah. to like recover. So the the mental aspect is more important to me now than the physical aspect of like. It's like a mental grind for me to get to the next game now. Yeah, that's my next question. Yeah. What would you say is an important mental skill to have for a young pitcher who would like to pitch long into their career and pitch successfully? Just a super short-term memory when it comes <laughs> yeah. to pitching. Like, um, to the sense of just breaking it down to every single pitch. Like, don't, like I've, I've made the mistake. I still make the mistake of letting stuff kind of snowball when I'm on the mound and things aren't going well. Like You throw ball three, you throw ball four. And instead of like taking that time to kind of reset and refocus, it just keeps going and going. And before you know it, you throw 11 balls in a row in a season in an ABL game. Yeah. And that shit's not fun. So it's just like (laughs) finding ways to mentally lock it in and reset. um, And you can do that pretty quickly. Just eliminate like the bad inning, make it a bad pitch, make it a bad at bat, but don't let it 
progress to a yeah, bad inning or a bad outing or a bad week. I think something that I'd like young athletes to always remember, it's always about the next one. Yeah. Like the last one doesn't matter. You, It's always about the next one and what you do and how you execute that. Yeah. And to quote Rickson and Wingrove, it just docent matter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I've been lucky enough to like be given like the closers role for a lot of teams I've been on. Yeah. And when I was first given it, I really took it to heart when I blew a save. Like, I'll be the guy, I guess, in the club. And I was like, through my glove. And I, I thought people wanted to see me upset. And then as I've grown up, I'm like, you know, it sucks we lost the game. But, like, the more I dwell on it, the worse I'm going to be off for the next outing. Yeah. So, I like, give myself my 30 minutes to be sad, upset, and then just move on. Because, like, thinking about what just happens is not going to help me be better the next day. So, I think that's another, like just said, having a short memory. Yeah. I think the feel of... The whole team and the dressing room is it like if a closer does blow a save, it doesn't feel like that individual blew the save. It feels like the team lost, and it's not down to an individual. I think everyone would agree on that as well. well absolutely, especially from a position player's perspective here. Like when a when a when a closer blows a save, obviously it's magnified on the fact that the he was now the losing pitcher. Yeah, but. There are so, there's there's so there, the reason that baseball players play so many games is because there's so much randomness to this game. Yeah, there's so many different possible plays that can happen each pitch, right? So it's like I think the, I think there was a statistic there was like over like over like either a million or a billion possible plays over the course of a baseball game, and. That's crazy to think about. But it's like yeah, I think it was like 1.6 million possible plays that could poss- that could happen over the course of one single baseball game. So to to say that it's simply a closer's fault that they lost a game, that a team lost a game, you just can't narrow it down no, to an individual. That is that is completely as completely unfair. Yeah. Like yes, it it's magnified because that's the last thing that happened in the game, but it's totally not fair. Like I could have gotten a hit in the third inning that would have scored three runs, but I didn't. Yeah. And now the game is five to two instead of eight to two. Yeah. Right. So, like I could have made a defensive play that I might not have. It might, they might not have scored any runs, but a different hitter now has to hit. This pitcher has to throw more pitches. Yeah. There's the, it's just, there's so many different things that can happen. So I feel like it's pre- just so not it's just so unfair to think. And then I like even when. Like pitchers don't have success, then it's like seeing how they react, or like a leader like Todd in our clubhouse. He might there was an outing he didn't have success in recently, and he was upset for 20, 30 minutes after the game. But when it was time, like he, while we were all eating as a team, he came out, sat down, like he was a little, like not like happy, jovial, yeah. But he was like he was Todd. He yeah. sat down. We were talking. Just, it was okay. Yeah. It's like, it happened. Move on. You just can't hold on to that for too long. Yeah. It's just, and that, and that energy, like that, that is contagious. Yeah. Right. Like a guy who's been there and done it over a lot of different places in the world. And for many years, if a younger pitcher sees that says, Hey, he blew a save or someone didn't have a good start or whatever, but he's, if he's acting like he doesn't care, that's one thing. That's also not very good. But if he's, if he's not throwing a tantrum, yeah, 
that's also be like, okay, like I didn't put, I, I didn't have my best stuff today, but how, how's he acting? How, like he's, he's not down in the dumps about it. He's yeah. not throwing a tantrum. He's moving on to now. What is his focus? You always now want to say su- he's yeah. supporting the next guy. Yeah. You always want to say just positive reflection that Absolutely. can reflect health, like healthily on the team as well sure. to hopefully win more games in the future. That's even contagious to the rest of the team, not just pitchers as well. Yeah. So if like, if, a, if say Josh struggled one day, if he came in and was up on the top of the rail after he had gone over whatever pitching charts or assessing what he, what, what just happened, he's supporting the next guy who might be pitching or who might be hitting. That's instrumental. That, that goes, that goes a long way. Yeah. I think I noticed that with the recent away trip in Melbourne, it was one of my first times being able to see you pitch uh, from the bench, from the dugout. And just seeing you come off after your like, – it was a tough outing and tough situation to go into. But how you came off and it was joke straight away. Like no matter what happened, well, obviously it was a tough thing to go into. It was just good vibes after. Yeah, it's lucky with this team. Like I don't, we haven't felt – like one inning hasn't changed the ball game for us this year. Like we're always in it and there's none of that panic. So like – giving up a run in the fourth inning, like I didn't feel like it's going to hurt us. Like I still have confidence that we're going to come back and win every game we played this year. And I think most of the pitching staff feels that way. And like most of the hitters, like if they don't get the job done, they're confident that one through nine, like someone's going to get it done. So yeah, definitely. That helps too. But you try and always be the same guy when you're having success. And when you're not, you don't want to be like super high when you're doing well and super low when you're not. So it's just like staying like staying level and being who you are and yeah you can get mad at shit but don't like drag it into the next day and bring other people down yeah and lift those up around you and that's what successful teams do definitely um nick we'll come to you um just because i want to talk about how you obviously have found a lot of a lot of success individual success in terms of hitting over the last four years in independent ball and now in the abo as well uh, what do you think makes yourself a good hitter? I think that's a, that's a hard question. Um, well, what what qualities do you see in yourself that you do really, really well, maybe compared to other, some other guys? I think at least in when something clicked, I think it was in like 2020 when something really clicked was when I I figured out who I was as a hitter. Yeah. And I think that that's really important for every athlete, no matter what sport position you play, is to know what you are good at and what you're not. Maybe not, not maybe not what you're not. Be aware of your be aware of be your aware of your weaknesses, right? Yeah. So, um, after I got after I'd been released by um, from from affiliated ball, it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because it was like. I had a chance to reflect on probably why I had gotten released and then work on the things that probably made me a release guy, but also work on the things that I was really good at and then just get back to enjoying the game. Yeah. Right. So, um, but also a big part of it was, um, when I was in affiliated ball, I was always afraid of being released and I was afraid of what people thought of me and, always wanting to put pressure on myself so I could advance to the next level. Cause I had like that huge dream of being a major league baseball player since I was younger. This was my chance. 
I'm not going to let it slip through my fingers. Yeah. But once I was released, it was almost like my worst fear had finally come to fruition. And it really wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Did it feel like a weight off your shoulders? It it did. It was like, it was, that's literally what it felt like. I was, I was weirdly happy and content with the fact that I was like, okay, new beginning now. And it just allowed me to enjoy the game again and not kind of always be looking over my shoulder and worried about if there was a coordinator watching me, if there was a coach that that could influence my future, they're watching me. And it was like, I'm just going to go play, be myself. And if they like me, great. If they don't, at least I've stayed true to who I was. Yeah. Great. I think that's a great approach. Um, a lot of values that just be yourself, have fun. And And I think a big, another piece was like, I was okay with failing. Yeah. Because as a hitter, I mean, if you fail seven out of 10 times, you're a hall of famer. You're (laughs) one of the best to ever do it. Right. So no matter how you approach the game, you are going to fail at some point, whether you're a pitcher, whether you're a hitter, it doesn't matter. You are going to fail and you, you don't have to be okay with failing. You just need to accept that it's going to happen. And when it does, you just need to move on. Just like these two said, have, have the memory of a goldfish. Memory of a goldfish. Six second memory. Yeah. Done. Happened, process it, move on. Yeah. I think that's really, really good advice. Just know your identity, know who you are as a baseball player. Obviously Josh and Todd, you guys have been around for a while. Like you had a number of years to know what you're good at know what weakness you have and obviously just have strategies not to show those weaknesses as much or make them not so weak as you play as well. I think like (laughs) one thing I I was told was just to take pride in your craft, like get better at the things you're good at and then get even better at the things you're bad at, you know, find things that you're not good at and find ways to improve yourself in it. Yeah. You know, like, I only just recently found out that this is probably going to confuse a bunch of people. I have a high spin rate on my fastball with bad spin efficiency. Instead of trying to get better spin efficiency, I should have been throwing a sinker. So now I'm like, maybe I've been a sinker ball guy my entire life trying to get a high spin efficiency on a fastball. And I threw my sinker for the first time on the weekend and it sank. (laughs) I was just like, maybe, you know, like, I'm just. So now I've found something and something I haven't been good at. I found a way to get better at it. So yeah. take that lack of spin efficiency and turn it into a new pitch. And that's something where metrics and all yeah. the technology we have right now yeah. can help and you which some people, find out what yeah, you're good at. Which some people aren't lucky enough to have access to, but we are. So you don't have access to it. There's so much information out there that can make you a free access to information that can make you a better baseball player, I think. Yeah. Like it was... One of the guys on the team messaged me. He's like, hey, man, I was looking at your daughter and you got bad spin efficiency. Why don't you throw a sinker? And then I got another message from another guy who works at Tread Athletics. He's like, hey, man, I just saw your daughter and have you ever thought about throwing a sinker? Yeah. And then Tolsey sends me a video like two days ago of a guy that pretty much has the same problem I have. And now he throws an unbelievable sinker. So I'm like... So now you throw now an unbelievable I'm, sinker? Now I'm working on trying to throw an unbelievable sinker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Josh, what a your strengths and maybe some of your weaknesses as a pitcher uh my biggest weakness is my height <laughs> uh, sorry <laughs> sorry how tall are you are you again i'm five seven uh, but i've used that 
as a strength for a long time, like always being told you're too small to make it anywhere in baseball and kind of like getting overlooked, literally. Um, a big motivator, honestly, like to put in that work and compete and super happy with where I got to with baseball. Um, and then just, yeah, strength, just like Nick said, having fun and staying true to myself. Like I know my first year with the Phillies, one of the coaches wanted to completely change everything about what I did. And I was like, no, <laughs> like I got here doing it my way and I'd rather go out trying to do it my way than trying to be someone who I'm not. So, um, again, and yeah, still learning, continually learning, like Todd was saying, just looking at what's going wrong, addressing it and finding out ways to improve it. Um, I moved on the rubber after Christmas and have had more success getting hitters out, pitching off of my strengths, which is like a high carry fastball and then a big breaking ball. Yeah. Um, they play well up and down in the zone rather than east to west of the zone. So just like pounding the zone with my strengths and just going after guys and having fun doing that. And yeah, it's it's been better. I haven't had a good year, but um, yeah. I've got 10 other dudes out there who have had a good year. So like we've, we're in the spot we're in, so it's awesome to be where we are. And then everything starts again in playoffs anyway, so we can... Start this. Start all the stats and streaks again. Yeah. Um, for young baseballers here in South Australia, obviously there's multiple pathways that they can go down if they do want to play professional baseball. I know everyone here has had a little bit of a different journey. Is there one you'd recommend? And yeah, is there a pathway that you would recommend? And what would that pathway be? For me, I, I think college is... College, you'd yeah, recommend? just like, I don't know. It it changed my outlook on baseball. It changed my work ethic. It changed me as a human and a man. Like, I learned so many valuable lessons. Just getting away from home, getting away from my comfort zone, leaving my family for two years without seeing them, like, it helped me grow more than I could ever, like, any other experience. Like, obviously, affiliated boy, you could do the same thing, but college, like, you still... There's less pressure than being a 16, 17, 18 year old affiliate kid. Like you still get to go have fun. You still get life outside of baseball where you're learning and you can get a degree. You can have friends outside of baseball in your school. And then you, then you still have those 30, 40 guys where you're going to have those friendships and stuff. So college was a great experience for me and I'd recommend that as a pathway to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, a similar, um, a similar journey to, to Josh. Um, Obviously, I wasn't going to college or university in a completely different country all the way across the world. <laughs> yeah. I was going to college 25 minutes from my parents' house. <laughs> um, but like he said, I, th I learned a lot of lessons about me as a person. And uh, that helped me just realize I'm not just a baseball player. Yeah, I'm Nick the person. I'm not Nick the baseball player, which was a big, a big piece in being okay with failing sometimes in this game. But when it, so obviously I can only speak on my experience and my, the pathway that I took, but I mean, every, everybody's story is a little bit different. Yeah. Definitely. I think college, I think college baseball is the purest form of baseball because you're playing for your school and you're playing, you're representing an entire university. Yeah. You're not just representing one team or one city, right? You're yeah. representing a, like, 30 to 40,000 people. And for you, obviously, going 25 minutes, going to college 25 minutes away from your home, you're representing your 
right. hometown. Almost. I, I, grew, I, I grew up very close to that town, so I was. I wasn't the hometown kid, but we had a lot of guys on our team that were that were in similar situations. So yeah. it was cool to. It, that experience was really cool, but I think everybody's pathway is different, and I don't think one pathway is wrong or better because each each guy is going to have their own story to tell at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, my, like Nick said, all pathways are different. I signed when I was 17, released when I was 19, signed when I was 20, released before I was 21, signed again when I was 23, released when I was 28, signed when I was 29, released when I was 29. So, like, people ask me, like, if I was younger, if I would have rather gone to college. And I, I honestly don't know what my answer would be because whatever I had the career I had, if I spent four years in college, you know, I, I still got to spend – seven, eight years in the minor leagues and do a lot of cool things. Yeah. So, like, if you want to go to college and that's what you want to do, then then go for it. But if, if your goal is just to play professional baseball and it gets thrown in your face and that's what you want to do, you better, like, take it with both hands and run with it. You know, don't waste it. Because I can only say the first time I signed, I wasted it completely. I had no idea what I was in for. The, the Phillies told me I had to go home and put on weight. And I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. So I went home and just put on like 30, 40 pounds of just crap weight, turned up the spring <laughs> training, weighing 230. Like, yeah, I put on weight. Like you told me to. And I'm like, no, you gotta, that's not the right weight. So like I completely threw that away. But like these days with everything the kids have in their hands, if they want to be a professional baseball player and they're given a bunch of money at 18 years old, like make the most of it, you know? Yeah. It's an opportunity not many people get. One of my favorite sayings is that there's two places to play baseball in the world and it's the big leagues and everywhere else. So if you're good enough, they'll find you wherever you are. And I mean, I started in the lowest level of independent ball and finished in the highest level of the minor leagues. Yeah. So it's like, there's no, yeah, whatever pathway you works for you in the moment and there's no right or wrong decisions. There's opportunities everywhere. Opportunities everywhere, especially today. Like Nick had to come all the way to Australia to sign with his hometown team. (laughs) It's kind of it's kind of uh, ironic, isn't it? Philadelphia is forty five minutes from where I grew up, and in order for them to finally be convinced to to give me a professional contract, I had to go eleven thousand miles away. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, yeah, I think you have you have people all over the world, like a guy like Curtis Mead, who signed when he was. 18 years old, 17 years old, and, he, and he's 22, 23, and he's about to be in the big leagues. Yeah. Or you have a guy like like Todd, who signed when he was 17. He's been released five or six times, but he's played all over the world, and he's 32 years old. And you have a guy like Josh, played lowest level of the minor leagues in the Pecos League, which you're making... $400 a month and running on school buses eating ham and cheese sandwiches every meal, every meal. And then he finishes, he makes it all the way to AAA yeah. with the Phillies. So it's, and coming from, and all three of those guys are from a country that doesn't, doesn't play baseball in quotes. Yeah. Right. Isn't known for baseball. It's really whatever opportunity you have, take it, run yeah. with it but with both hands. If you, yeah. lo- if you love something, dedicate yourself to it yeah take whatever information you can that is useful to you and make yourself better with it yeah yeah definitely if club ball is your only option be the best club ball you can be if 
ABL is your option, be the best ABL player you can be. In college, like, just decide what you want to do and just do it. Do it well. Yeah. Try. Yeah. Put in the effort. A piece of advice I got when I was in rookie ball right after I was drafted was this isn't the big leagues, but it's your big leagues. Like, yeah. wherever you are right now is your big leagues. So, like Josh said, whether it's whether it's club ball, that's your big leagues. Make that make that game, that play, the most important play. Try to be the best you can be. Be, be the best there. Yeah. Be the best at each level. And and if you do that, you're gonna you're gonna be just fine. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, should we end with a speed round? Sure. Yeah. Were you answering these together or? Individual? Yeah, we'll answer together. Okay. All right, favorite player right now. Right now, Josh Tolles. Josh Tolles, good answer. Nick Ward. Nick Ward. Top answer this or Josh Tolles. <laughs> Great answers. <laughs> <laughs> favorite player ever. John Troll Willis. Billy Wagner. Chase Utley. Folder Scrunch. 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 Fold. 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 Sit or stand? Sit. It's way more comfortable. Oh, I don't understand the stigma between having a stand. Sit. Sit. <laughs> I'm an American. I'm sitting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, karaoke song. I only had karaoke once and it was super based by Nicki Minaj. I can see that. Tequila. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Semi-charm life, third eye blind. Mm, good choice. Uh, 